In a study conducted by the National Endowment for Financial Education and George Washington University, it revealed that only 8% of millennials say that they have confidence in their financial knowledge. Two-thirds of the respondents admit to at least having one long-term debt, including a car loan, a student loan, or a home mortgage. Sammy Y. Oriet is the CEO and founder of FinanceZilla, where he teaches his clients, mostly millennials, how to budget, invest, and achieve financial freedom. He's also the host of the Successful Millennials Podcast with weekly releases every Wednesday, which are intended to inform, empower, and inspire the next generation to achieve financial independence and success. He joined me this week to discuss financial independence, freedom, and the five categories of success in life, both financially and otherwise. I'm Kevin McShan, a led to this conversation. If you're ready, I'll take a moment to welcome you to the program, and I'm excited to chat with you all about financial independence. Great to be with you today, Bonnie, and thank you so very much for being here. Of course, yeah, let's do it. Hey, Sammy, you tell me that your life's mission is to help millennials find their financial independence, so I'm wondering if you can tell me all about it, Bonnie. Sure. So, yeah, I think... Financial independence is the toughest goal, maybe, but it's the one that everybody should strive for because it opens the door for everything else, right? It opens the door for you to free up your time. And if people have the opportunity between working a job that they don't like just to pay the bills versus working wherever they would like, working in their passion and spending time with the people they love and not having to worry about those bills or those expenses or anything that you know life throws at you money-wise, then you really open the door for your ability to develop bigger relationships, better relationships, have more fun, and, and overall be more happy. So I think the pursuit of financial independence is extremely important to me. And I've found that um, via budgeting and via having a disciplined approach, you can really get on the tracks as fast as possible and really escalate that situation so that you can enjoy that financial freedom or financial independence as early as possible. Yeah, absolutely. And I know your mission behind uh, Financilla is to inform and empower millennials to take uh, to take uh, uh, charge of their financial independence. Isn't that right, buddy? Exactly. Yeah, 100% correct. So I started the company so that 
I, I've done it on the side when I was younger and I figured out how to do it myself, figured out how to budget. And then it was, how can I teach others to do that? Because I figured the power of not having any debt was awesome. But imagine if I didn't have to do anything else, right? So I started the company with a vision to really help inform people. But then I realized like with social media and a lot of things out there, knowledge is cheap. Information is out there for free a lot of the times. So I really focused the company on the discipline needed to follow that budget, the discipline needed to actually invest. Like you don't, a lot of people know the terms of investing or know the principles of budgeting, but following it is where I feel like a lot of people sometimes struggle. And so the the goal of of Financial is not only to inform you, because I think you need to have a baseline, but then to empower you to believe that you can do it and then build that discipline to actually do it yourself. Um, so that, that's really the goal of the company. And that's what it's been going on for a couple of years now. Oh, fantastic. And I know that you have five keys to success. So I'm wondering if you could uh, share those with me, but don't give away all the secrets. Okay. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> sure. Um, so money is the first category. I think physical and mental health. I rank that as number two. A lot of people have a different rankings and it's your own opinion, really, but physical and mental health, because I feel like your body and your mind need to be really on, on same page. And you need to have that energy, that vitality. And a lot of that comes from your physical aspect of your body, but also, you know, fighting that anxiety, that worry, that fear, that depression in the mental health space is being talked about a lot, rightfully so, uh, these past few years. Um, career slash purpose is the third category. And that's really working in something that you feel passion on, you something that you feel that drives you, something that gives you that fire. If you don't have that, a lot of people will describe things as actively disengaged at work or a feeling of emptiness when they're working eight, nine hours a day. They like their job. They don't love their job. Those types of descriptions tend to mean that somebody isn't really working in a purposeful career to them. Um, relationships, both that's family, that's friends, that's your significant other, you know, that's your kids, et cetera, who you surround yourself with, the quality of those relationships are extremely important so that you're not going through this thing we call life alone. And then the final category, happiness kind of ties it all together, right? Those four categories, in my opinion, are all imperative to have success and continuing to succeed in them in order to be happy the majority of the time. Because we talked about right before we started recording, like happiness is a never ending pursuit. You, you have to continue to, to strive for, you're not going to be happy 100% of the time. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that you uh, take those messages to your podcast, buddy, uh, successful uh, millennials. So could you tell me about the platform and how you hope to inspire uh, people by utilizing it, buddy? Sure. I appreciate it. Um, the successful millennials podcast kind of started in that vein where um, when you start getting that level of money, when you start working and you start paying off the debt and then you're like, okay, what is the point? So that's why I came up with the other four categories. I feel like in different areas of my life that I needed to succeed in. And then it started making more sense, the more conversations I had. So uh, the podcast covers all of those, uh, all those categories. And we focus really on disciplinary tips and tactics to improve on them. So if an episode is about budgeting, for example, we'll give you actual tips and tricks of how to be a more uh, successful budgeter. If it's about how to build relationships and friends, for example, I have an episode that talks about how to 
create a social circle, right? With a, with a friend that I brought on or in a guest episode. So things that I'm, I feel like I have the expertise on, I'll have a solo episode on, but I also have conversations with fellow millennials who are better in areas than I am, because I'm not an expert in all of them, obviously. And we just have conversations on that, but it's really focused on building discipline and building the, the strategies needed to have success in them. Yeah. And, and Sammy, I'm curious, Areas, if we can break bread and this and shift, what are five key things that anyone watching or listening to this can do as a, a millennial now uh, to secure their financial independence moving forward? Sure. So the first thing is know your financial picture. A lot of people don't exactly know where their money is going. So the first thing before you even start budgeting, I would say is track your expenses over two to three months and write down everything. I mean, if you don't want to write it down in an Excel spreadsheet, there's a bunch of platforms like Mint and uh, plenty of others that kind of pull that together for you. But track your expenses, know where you're at is one. Then develop a budget would be two. Um, Understand, obviously understanding your financial picture would include the debts that you have. And then I, I think that the best thing is while you're slowly investing, you p- find ways to pay off that debt. So if that means you're cutting back on certain things that you don't really care for, those impulse decisions are really the things that I like to target with my clients. And by doing that, for example, one of, the, one of the, my favorite tips is I write a shopping list and that extends to groceries, that extends to clothes, that extends to shoes, et cetera. Anything I need to go purchase and I write it down on my list. And then every, every week I go once. Um, and, and there's psychological reasons why you only go once when you're not hungry either, right? It's because statistically, every four stores Americans enter, they tend to impulse buy 30% of the time, at least at one of them. So you want to limit your times that you're going to certain places because you forgot one thing on the list. So, so the list coinciding with going only once a week really limits those impulse decisions, which are over 50% of all purchases when it comes to groceries. And that's really what hampers budgets a lot because you don't really plan for it. You don't really even want it. You just see it and be like, oh, okay, that's cool. Let me grab that real quick. And those things over time add up. So locking down that impulse would be number four, and then really be intentional about what you want to do with your money. And for me in, in the budget spreadsheet that I use, even to this day, I have my top three priorities of what I want to do with my money. And I create sinking funds, which is a pretty much a fancy way of saying a separate quote unquote cash account. You can even put it in an envelope. You could store it to the side. You can have a monetary number. It doesn't really matter, but it's something that's put to the side so that whenever you want to go, most of my sinking funds are related to travel because I love traveling. But when I want to go on my next trip, okay, I pull out of that sinking fund and I wouldn't have touched anything else. So once you figure out your your number one priorities and your number two and your number three priorities, you really kind of balance that out and then work towards filling those sinking funds in so that you could take that trip or, or buy that laptop or buy whatever you're looking for in that sinking fund um, without being put into debt and then put into stress and then go back in the cycle again. Absolutely. And Sammy, I know outside of work that you're an active guy playing basketball. I know you like to hike and do everything outdoors, Bonnie. So tell me about your passions outside of work, Bon. 
Yeah. I, like I said, physical health and, and mental health are to me, the second most important thing. Um, I was always a sports person growing up. Like I loved watching NBA, NFL. Um, and then I started playing basketball and soccer when I was younger. And, and to this day, I love playing basketball. I'm a little too old to be playing football now. The tackle wears on you, but um, hiking and being outdoors, seeing nature is really, really fun. I got into that as an adult. So every time I travel or every time I'm, I'm have a few hours, I'll just go out to the nearest mountain or hike and, and, and just kind of see what, what nature has. And it kind of grounds you in one sense, but also you get that exercise in you as well. So I love it, especially around this time. You know, it's a little bit late fall, early December for us. So we still have some leaves coloring and leave color changing rather. And um, it's a cool sight to see. So so I like to stay out there and stay active because it it helps ground me and reflect as well as, you know, you get us good sweating. Yeah, absolutely. And I know uh, part of the reason you do all of this is that you want to create a sort of pathway to victory for millennials in all aspects of life. So I'm, I'm curious, Sammy, why is that so important to you? It's a great question, uh, Kevin. I think it's because, uh, so previous generations were really laser focused, in my opinion, on getting a degree, you know, getting that, the this, this status of success, if you will, was that house with the fence, with the swing set, a couple of kids, et cetera, and kind of that sedentary lifestyle, because in previous generations, that was a rarity. And they tended to, especially like immigrant parents like myself, tended to really not care about what they wanted in terms of their career. They just did it because of the paycheck to support their family or maybe help their family back home even. And, you know, deal with that types of repercussions happen when you don't get to have that level of fulfillment, when you don't really have an enjoyable life, you're just working and then waiting for the weekends or waiting for your vacation time or waiting till you retire. And I think it's not good. I think our generation has been really, really good actually at taking a step back and, and looking at, Hey, I don't want to wait to live my life until I'm 65. I want to enjoy my life in my twenties when I still have my health and my youth and stuff like that. So Sometimes some people skew it all the way and they don't really prepare for their future, but they live in the moment. But there is a healthy balance where you can look and invest for the future, but also enjoy your time now. It just takes a plan. It takes a structure, but you can have it both ways. Um, and that's really what I want to help people to really understand, because it's not worth living life 40 years in a cubicle just to have that gold watch and, and a pension that doesn't even exist anymore when you're 65. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, we have to take life as it comes and enjoy life's moments. Don't we? Of course. Of course. You got to stop and enjoy the journey as well. Why I rat offer this advice when it comes to managing money. If you have a disability. Yeah, I, I don't know how much it would change, except for the fact that, like you're mentioning, if job opportunities are a little bit more uh, hard to come by, 
then I would worry, I would work on building an emergency fund that's a little bit bigger than I would recommend to cushion you for potentially hard times. So for, for me, what I kind of say is if you're a single person and you work and you don't really have other responsibilities besides yourself and your bills, then I would say like a three month, two month is perfectly fine. You can roll with that uh, and continue, continue to invest a bunch as you have, you know, more quote unquote responsibilities that you're with a wife or with kids or something like that, that number will creep up to, you know, four or five, six months. Um, in a case with where job security isn't necessarily high. And that's kind of what I'm, what I'm getting at from your, from your topic, I would probably recommend, even if you're single, getting it up to like that four or five month emergency fund, that way you can cushion and not be desperate because when you're desperate in a job interview, the, as, a, as a person who's interviewed people as well, you could kind of sense it and you don't want to judge them for it, but it's kind of human nature. Be like, why are they so like hesitant or nervous or desperate? What are they hiding? So you don't want to have that type of aura around you. And when you're financially stressed, that's like the first thing that comes up. Oh, you know, you need this job. And that's the only thing you come in when you're thinking of the interview. So, so having a bigger emergency fund, I would say really helps uh, cushion that type of feeling as well. And Sammy, I used to be an old sports reporter, so when I read that you were a sports fanatic, it brought a smile to my face, Bonnie. So let's nice. talk a little sports, Bonnie. What's keeping your uh, sports interest these days, Bon? Oh, man, the NFL. I'm a Colts fan. Uh, due to Marvin Harrison, when I was younger, he was my favorite player. Um, and throughout, you know, obviously he retired almost 15 years ago now, but I stayed with the team and... We have our ups and downs, but we got a, we got a couple of good players still with Jonathan Taylor and and our O line, our defense. So they're on um, a hot streak. So that must be make you happy, right? Yeah, we gave up a few games early in the season that we really shouldn't have. That Ravens game, even the Bucks game a couple of weeks ago, and uh, one of the Titans games, we should have really won that. So that may come to haunt haunt, uh, haunt us down the line, but I think. I think we might make a wild card and make a small little push at the end. So uh, I'm excited for that. And and NBA, I'm a Spurs fan. So my, my glory days. My sincere apologies this year. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my glory days are done with that team. It feels like we're in a full rebuild. Popovich is probably going to retire. Um, but the game of basketball has really changed a lot since I grew up. And I think this this last year when they changed the rules about the, you know, drawing a foul, that has made basketball a lot more fun again because it was getting too ridiculous with all the free throws and everybody getting to line 15 times. It was not, it wasn't fun, but now it's, it's, it's back. Well, you know, Sammy, I'm an, I'm a diehard Detroit Lions fan and I'm just trying Oof. to win a game these days, buddy. Yeah, you got one last week. You can maybe go on a win streak. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't go that far, but, uh, <laughs> you know, hope springs eternal there. As an Alliance fan, Sammy, I always tell myself, there's always next year, right? Yeah, I mean, I know uh, I have a friend who's a Lions fan. He was very excited for Dan Campbell until the first five weeks, and you guys hadn't won a game. And then it was like, uh-oh, maybe it's just the same old Lions. Every coach get, gets lionized eventually, Sammy. <laughs> it's, it's only a process, right? So. But, uh, Sammy, I know you live down there in Atlanta these days. So tell me, what's the best part about living in Atlanta, Bunny? Oh, I mean, it's got a lot of diversity. It's got a lot of different things, but it's a transport city. So, like, a lot of people aren't really from here. And nobody really has a sense of, like, this is my city type thing. Um, 
but in turn, you get a lot of random things. Like you get a lot of different pockets of either if it's Korean food or Latin food or soul food or Mediterranean food. And I'm a big food guy as well, as you might uh, imagine. But there's a lot of different types. <laughs> I like to eat, Kevin, you know, um, but it, it's it's good because of the level of diversity. I mean, the traffic sucks. The weather isn't the greatest, but we don't have any natural disasters. So, I mean, it's just that's a blessing, isn't it? That, 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 you got to look at the bright side sometimes. Yeah, so since you brought up food, Bonnie, I'm curious, what's your favorite? Oof. It's hard to go wrong with a good ribeye steak. It's very hard. Steak is the key to my heart. Yeah. Yeah. Steak, steak is steak is awesome. So my my final question for you, Bonnie, is tell me for for you, what's the best part or most rewarding part about living life? And I'm wondering if you have any non-negotiables when it comes to your happiness what what are the things what are the things that you're unwilling to compromise on when it comes to your happiness i really like that question um i haven't really thought about that but i would say that one of the most important things to me is is understanding like where I'm at, right? So like what, what that means in a plan, whether that means in a time, whether that means in a structure, but like, I want to know if, I, if we're going to do this, let's do it, but not kind of be um, on the fence on things. So it's really, it's a, it's, I guess it's a form of respect, but I don't want to say that everybody wants to be respected. That's non-negotiable. It's, it's a standard, but to me, it's more important, I guess, on the time management and being where you are, that sense of ownership, that feeling of that, you are following through on what you say to me when I do that, I, I, I get filled with a sense of pride because that's just the way I would, I like to be considered and I like to carry myself. So it's one of the non-negotiables for me, for the people I interact with as well. Yeah, absolutely. And finally, is that what tell me if people want to get connected with your buddy, what's the best way they can accomplish that goal, bud? Sure. I appreciate the time, Kevin. And, uh, I've had a really fun conversation with you. And um, the Successful Millennials podcast that we talked about earlier that covers those five categories is available on every podcast streaming platform. So wherever you're listening to this one, feel free to move over to that one as well if you want. And um, I episodes get released every week there. If you want to connect with me personally, I have Instagram um, and then email, really. So Instagram is financezilla and email is financezilla at gmail.com if you were looking for um, you know either financial tips or coaching. Um, feel free to reach out there. And because I'm guesting on the show, just reach out and say that you came from, let's have this conversation with Kevin and I'll send you the budget template for free. The same one that I used today as a, you know, as a thank you to, to your audience. Fantastic. Well, Sammy, I really uh, appreciate and respect the work that you do to help millennials manage money and become more financially smart and independent. Your time, energy, and efforts on my behalf are most appreciated. And I want to thank you for engaging in conversation with me this afternoon, Bonnie. Hey, the pleasure is all mine, Kevin. Thank you so much for your time and the efforts that you do as well.